as we trust wholly in the Spirit's work for our understanding of Scripture and the preached Word, let us pray a prayer of illumination. Eternal God, in the reading of Scripture, may your Word be heard. In the meditations of our hearts, may your Word be known. And in the faithfulness of our lives, may your Word be shown. Amen. Hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. The Old Testament reading comes from the book of Jeremiah, chapter 17, verses 5 through 10. Listen for the word of the Lord. This is what the Lord says. Cursed is the one who trusts in man, who draws strength from mere flesh, and whose heart turns away from the Lord. That person will be like a bush in the wastelands. They will not see prosperity when it comes. They will dwell in the parched places of the desert, in a salt land where no one lives. But blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. They will be like a tree planted by the water, that sends out its roots by the stream. It does not fear when heat comes. It, its leaves are always green. It has no worries in a year of drought and never fails to bear fruit. The heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? I, the Lord, search the heart and examine the mind to reward each person according to their conduct, according to what their deeds deserve. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Season 
and whose leaves shall never fade, and all that they do shall prosper. Not so are the wicked, not so. Happy are they, happy are they, who hope in the Lord. For they, like winnowed chaff, shall be driven away by the wind. For the Lord guards the way of the just, but the way of the wicked leads to doom. Happy are they, happy are they, who hope in the Lord. Good morning. It is good to be in the house of the Lord. Our New Testament reading is Luke chapter 6, verses 17 through 27. The Sermon on the Plain, where Jesus teaches on blessings and woes and love for our enemies. I will be reading from the New Revised Standard Version. Listen for the word of the Lord. He came down with them and stood on a level plain. With a great crowd of his disciples and a great multitude of people from all Judea, Jerusalem, and the coast of Tyre and Sidon, they had come to hear him and to be healed of their diseases. And those who were troubled with unclean spirits were cured. And all in the crowd were trying to touch him, for power came out from him and healed all of them. Then he looked up at his disciples and said, Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who are hungry now, for you will be filled. Blessed are you who weep now, for you will laugh. Blessed are you when people hate you and when they exclude you, revile you, and defame you on account of the Son of Man. Rejoice in that day and leap for joy, for surely your reward is great in heaven. For that is what their ancestors did to the prophets. But woe to you who are rich, for you have received your consolation. Woe to you who are full now, for you will be hungry. Woe to you who are laughing now, for you will mourn and weep. Woe to you when all speak well of you, for that is what the ancestors did to the false prophets. But I say to you that listen, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray.
Almighty and everlasting Father, use me as your vessel to speak the truth. Be present through the power of your Holy Spirit. Now let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Amen. As our text begins, Jesus is coming down to a level plain. In the previous verses of chapter 6, Jesus spent the night in the mountains, and after a night of prayer, he called his disciples and selected 12 as his apostles. He came down to a level plain to teach the crowd that gathered, the great multitude of people, according to Luke. Jesus was well known, famous even, so famous that a great crowd of his disciples and a great multitude of people were assembled. Now Jesus was known for driving out evil spirits and healing many sick. The word got out about Jesus' healing power and a great crowd of his disciples and great multitudes of people from all Judea, Jerusalem, and the coast of Tyre and Sidon came to hear his teachings. They came in faith for their healing from sickness and disease. They came to be cleansed and freed from the torment of evil spirits. Crowds and multi multitudes of people came from all around. Luke uses a Greek word meaning crowd to describe the larger group of disciples there that day. This large group of disciples were characterized as followers, almost groupies, if you will. They would follow Jesus and wait to hear what he had to say and to see what marvelous acts he would perform. Luke uses another Greek word, meaning people, to describe the crowd. However, people, in this context, means all the people which signifies a universal significance of the gospel. The term people occurs nearly 40 times in Luke and nearly 50 times in Acts. It's Luke's preferred term for the people, all the people, for which whom the gospel of salvation is intended. In Luke chapter 6, 17 through 27, those gathered to hear and see Jesus were an ethnically and geographically diverse group of people. They had come to hear and to be healed of their diseases, and those who were troubled with unclean spirits were cured, and all of the crowd were trying to touch him. The power came out from him and healed all of them. Power, power. Today, everyone wants some type of power. Athletes want to harness the power to be the best athlete in their sport. Law firms want the power that comes with being known for winning all of their cases. Scientists want the power of being the discoverers of what is new on the horizon. And entertainers want the power to fill the largest concert stadiums. In chapter 6, 
Luke describes for us the type of power that Jesus had. Jesus had the power to draw large crowds. Jesus had the power not only to cause multitudes of people to gather together, but the power to bring together diverse groups of people from different regions. Jesus had the divine power of the Holy Spirit. By the power of the Holy Spirit, Jesus had the power and has the power today to draw crowds of people together in his unconditional love. And Luke says, the people gathered that day just wanted to touch Jesus and be healed. And the scripture says, they were cured and healed by the power that came from Jesus. But curing and healing the sick is not all that Jesus did that day. Jesus taught his disciples a powerful lesson. Jesus taught them what it means to follow him. Jesus taught them the cost of discipleship. Jesus starts off powerfully by speaking, by specifically looking at his disciples and saying, blessed are the poor for yours is the kingdom of God. My goodness, he could have stopped right there. Yours is the kingdom of God. But he did not stop there because he knew he was dealing with worldly people. Jesus presented the kingdom of God as the antithesis to all that the world had to offer. Jesus knew his disciples. He knew the desires of their hearts, desires of wealth, desires of status, and worldly possessions. After all, they were now Jesus' inner circle, witnessing the clamoring of a great crowd of people who merely wanted to touch Jesus and be made whole again. Jesus knew the hearts and minds of his disciples, so he continued the sermon saying, Blessed are you who are hungry now, for you will be filled. Blessed are you who weep now, for you will laugh. Jesus looked straight at his disciples and addressed them in the second person plural. You, you all, and told them this is what it takes for you all right now for the kingdom of God to be yours, to have eternal life. You have to give up worldly things. But not only do you have to turn away from all that the world has to offer. Jesus told them in verse 22, blessed are you when people hate you, when you are excluded, reviled, and defamed on the account of Jesus of man, the son of man. Rejoice in that day and leap for joy, for surely your reward is great in heaven, for that is what their ancestors did to the prophets. Jesus was teaching his disciples the cost of discipleship. Being a disciple is not a glamorous job. 
you will be marginalized. You will be despised because you are following the Christ. But the blessing of discipleship is eternal life. These blessings in verses 20 through 23 are all too familiar. We have heard them before in the Gospel of Matthew chapter 5, in Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. When we compare the two Gospels, we, we find that both the Sermon on the Mount and the Sermon on the Plain have Beatitudes. However, in Matthew, there are nine Beatitudes, while in Luke, there are four. In Luke, we find significant contrasts from the Sermon on the Mount, including the four woes that follow the blessings. Another contrast is the blessings found in Matthew are more spiritualized, while in Luke, the blessings are more instructional for the type of character the disciples should possess. For example, Matthew 5 and 3 and in verse 6, says, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. Blessed are they, are the poor in spirit. Poor in spirit connotes a humbleness, not necessarily a dependency on someone greater than themselves, a dependency on Jesus. And blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. This blessing spiritualizes the reference to those who are hungry as those who hunger and thirst for righteousness' sake. In Luke, Jesus' Sermon on the Plain is directed towards the disciples, while Matthew shows Jesus addressing both the disciples, and the crowd. In the Sermon on the Plain, Jesus teaches his disciples that they cannot conduct themselves like the people of the world and tells the disciples by intensifying the urgency of those hungry and crying, saying, those who hunger and weep now, not just any old time, but right now, what Jesus was teaching his disciples was the urgency of the need, causing those in need to look towards Jesus to be filled, to depend on Jesus for their needs. To the crowd of people gathered in Luke 6, 17 through 27, Jesus was a healer the one who performed miracles. But Luke tells us Jesus is much more than a healer or miracle worker. Jesus is more in line with the prophets, naming urgency, urgency of the truth, and calling people to embrace what is not expected for the sake of God's promised kingdom. Jesus continued his disciples, teaching his disciples, saying, But woe to you who are rich, for you have received your consolation. Woe to you who are full now, for you will be hungry. Woe to you who are laughing now, for you will mourn and weep. Woe to you when all speak well of you. 
That is what the ancestors did to the false prophets. Imagine the shock of the disciples, the look on their faces as Jesus turns everything upside down with these statements. Just a moment ago, he promised blessings of a kingdom of heaven, satisfying hunger and turning tears to laughter. And before that, he was healing the sick and freeing people from evil spirits. The disciples must have been baffled by Jesus' preaching of blessings and woes, the polar opposites. When I first read these verses, I thought, oh boy, I'm in trouble. Don't get me wrong, I'm not rich, but I'm not needy either. I have never been hungry, and generally speaking, I'm a happy person. So what was Jesus really saying to the disciples in verses 24 through 26? The Greek word for woe does not just mean hardship. It means the deepest, darkest despair beyond imagination that results from unrighteous behavior. What Jesus was teaching the disciples was that living merely for the pursuit of riches of the present day was the fastest road to condemnation. Jesus' sermon on the plain opened the eyes of his disciples to what it means to be a disciple for Christ. Jesus is promising that good times are ahead for the faithful who endure. This means the disciples must put other people first Put them before themselves. They must learn to provide for the poor, feed the hungry, shelter the homeless, and comfort those who mourn. Christ wants us to know there is a cost for discipleship in Christ, and that discipleship is rewarded in heaven. So what is the cost of discipleship for us today? And are you willing to pay the price? The cost of discipleship for us today is turning away from the materialistic world and sacrificing our lives to follow Christ. Being a disciple of Christ is easier said than done. We live in a capitalistic and materialistic society where we are constantly bombarded with every kind of temptation from riches to overindulgences to the need to find things to make us happy every single moment of the day. Jesus Christ wants us to turn away from worldly ideals and focus on him. By focusing on Christ, he opens our eyes to see the poor are among us, just as they were with the crowd on the Sermon on the Plain. We must see the poor in and around our community and actively minister to their needs. It's not enough just to give money to the poor. We also need to extend a helping hand. How many times in our comings and goings have we seen a homeless person and passed by as if he or she did not exist? We need to dig deep within ourselves and exhibit the love and compassion of Christ to those in need. Discipleship 
for us today requires us to speak boldly for Christ. Some Christians participate in spirit-filled worship services and vibrant Sunday school classes learning about God's love and grace and mercy for God's people. And at the end of the worship service, they are sent out to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ to friends and strangers alike. But these individuals, not, not anybody here, but these individuals put God on a shelf for the next six days. There is silence when it comes to communicating the saving grace of Jesus Christ Monday through Saturday. They are, silented, are silenced by their peers because of pressure, because it's not cool to talk about Jesus outside of the doors of the church. They are silenced on a job because freedom of religion is not so free in the workplace. God does not want us to keep the good news to ourselves and to our church family. God wants us to step out on faith and share the gospel in challenging spaces, to accept the challenge to boldly proclaim Jesus Christ as Lord and risk the ridicule by coworkers or the protest of strangers or friends is the cost of discipleship today. Finally, Jesus said in verse 27, but I say to you that listen, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. The cost of discipleship is not only loving our enemies, but is being nice to your haters. Who here today can, show, can say that they show love and do act of kindness to their enemies? First of all, Human beings are not built that way, to love and do good to their enemies. You see it on TV, you see it in the movies. For example, one of my favorite movies is West Side Story. While there's a love story in there, it is also a story of enemies. The jets and the sharks are anything but loving the majority of the movie. Imagine what a beautiful world this would be if we truly loved our enemies and went out of our way to show goodwill toward those who hate us. The cost of discipleship is making great sacrifices in the name of the Lord. The blessings and the woes of Jesus' Sermon on the, Mount, on the Plain were instructional for his disciples, and they are instructional for us today. Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. The blessings and woes teach us to be fully dependent on God in every aspect of our lives. Brothers and sisters, we have to be willing to pay the price of discipleship, willing to walk boldly in our lives for Jesus Christ's sake. Just like Jesus fed the hungry, comforted those in mourning, healed those crying out in pain and sickness, and ministered to those who despised him, we are called to do the same. When you accept Jesus Christ, as your Lord and Savior, you accept the cost 
of discipleship. Amen. Brothers and sisters, if you want the assurance of the kingdom of God, all that is required is to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Jesus is standing with open arms. Will you come?